I'd like to draw your attention tonight to 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. I don't plan on being here all that long tonight. Um, unless you want me to, I'll just keep preaching. But there's nothing worse than a repetitious, meandering horse preacher. When, I've been told that one of the one of the ways you can tell it's time for a man to retire. That's not me. I'm just saying is that he starts to wander and he starts to repeat himself. And uh, my wife was raised in a church. I won't say where it was. She was in a church where she said, basically, honey, the pastor only had one message. And I said, what was that? She said, wives, obey your husbands. Aren't you glad that Brother Mayo's got a few more arrows in his quiver than just that one? Oh, boy. Okay, let's get going here. Let's get in the saddle and ride. Second Kings chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses of Scripture. It's a kind of a lengthy story. It's an amazing story here. Um, let's start in verse number 8. And we'll read a few verses here and then you can be seated. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, verse 10, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. It fell on a day when he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there, and he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. Talking about the woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he, he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? Now, what's being said here through the lips of Gehazi, he was relaying this for the prophet. He was suggesting that maybe she had a special need for governmental authority, talking about the king or the captain of the host. 
And she said, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. It's kind of a, almost a common situation in the word of God, more than a few places. And he said, that the prophet said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And the prophet said about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived. And bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. I really, I really just want to talk to us about some deep truths that all of us should live our lives by. And I've just entitled this, The Benefits of Being Under Authority. The Benefits of Being Under Authority. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. There's a myriad of circumstances and situations that only the Holy Ghost can calculate all of the dynamics of people's lives. Father, I just pray for several positive truths to find fertility, good ground, good ground. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. One of the indicators that I know that we're in the end times that is a biblical, overwhelming biblical indicator is the degree of lawlessness that we are seeing in our world today. Um, it's just... It is almost, I, I feel like trying to describe it in terms like, man, it's just unbelievable, but it is believable. It's happening. It's happening in real time that our nation and the integrity and the ethics and all of the values, and make no mistake about it, when you, when you, when you clear off all of the other social stuff at the at the at the root of this is an attack on values and one of the things that is just absolutely turning into a common practice is the level of violence and disregard 
for authority. It's a huge, huge thing in our world. With that being said, um, people are affected and impacted, even, even, if, even if people don't sit in front of a television and watch CNN for 12 hours out of a day. They are still impacted by the spirit of this world. People are being impacted and influenced and don't, can't even articulate really what's going on, but it's happening. It's happening. Um, and that causes people to begin to react and respond in different ways. And then you have where people that really are in authority begin to um, go sideways and go south and not live up to the responsibilities of authority. And so it's almost a double whammy in that you have lawlessness because of, of uh, immorality that's absolutely off the charts and people that are crusading that and it's in your face and it's lawless and it's it's violent and it's and then you have on the other side of the spectrum you actually have leaders that are not living up to the qualification of really being a leader and so i know it sounds dismal but we're in the church of the living god it's different in here it's supposed to be different in here and i believe it is different in here but you have leaders that are just as perverted and, and vacuous and empty and artificial as the followers. And it's just people lose respect. They lose their ability to trust and make no mistake about it. Trust and respect are extremely fragile. And in a good marriage, um, all the good marriages in this church say amen. Okay. Well, you may not have never even been articulated in a way that you've really thought of it this way, but the two things that are making that marriage good, it's not money. Money really helps. I got about three people that were honest. Money really helps. Okay. Um, but it's trust and respect. If you have trust and you have respect, I don't care, and I don't even want to get sidetracked here, but a marriage can go through anything if they have trust and they have respect. And, and that I'm not talking about their trust and respect for God. I'm talking about for one another. But you have to be living for God to have the proper boundaries so the trust and respect, because they're extremely fragile. Okay? Somebody said, well, just forgive me. I've asked you to forgive me. Well, I understand that. But forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. They're not. And they have to be qualified. But trust and respect can be rebuilt. And, and, and it, it can be a reality again, but it takes God and in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen if you're still with me. In this, um, in this story here tonight, it's an incredible story. 
it is a story that is perfectly suited for us to put a saddle on this and talk about some things that describe without a shadow of a doubt the benefits of being under authority. When I talk about being under authority, I'm talking about submission. And submission um, is a word, but it's got, it's got a prefix. It's got a prefix. The prefix is sub. And I'm not talking about submarine sandwiches. But a submarine, something that is sub is under. Okay, something, something that is subjected is under something else. Something that is, is, is um, well, I said I like submarine because we all know that they go underwater. So when you talk about submission, you are talking about being under the mission of another. And if I could, if I could explain that, express that so that you could understand that a little more completely... It's that the mission of submission is to be under the mission of another. Like that is your mission. That is my mission. Like I can't, I can't, I can't find out what my mission is until I'm under the mission of somebody else. So submission means that you are answerable. When somebody, um, you know, asks you, you know, what's going on? Well, you're submitted to them. You, you know, and everything has to be within reason. We're not talking about slavery. We're not talking about bondage. That's that is forced. That is not. God will not. Well, God will not receive something that's forced. This is a lot like loyalty. You cannot force loyalty. If it's going to be genuine, if it's going to be genuine, it has to be a voluntary act of the human will for it to be truly loyal. You can say, yeah, I'm loyal, and then you, you know you have to say that, right? Okay, but the minute that you get a chance to not be loyal, you, you don't feel any obligation because you, you, you know that you're not really loyal. I understand that. God gets that. But submission, in order to be truly submitted and under the mission of another, it takes, it takes the voluntary act of the human will. So it is not only positional, okay, under, but it means it's also answerable, and that's accountability. Accountability is, is an expression of submission. It means... It means that I'm not only under, but I realize that I'm accountable. Like, why did you do this? Well, I, da, 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 oh, okay, I was, just, I was just wondering why you did this. No problem. I'm accountable to you, so you can ask whatever you want to. So this is a dynamic that we find in the Word of God. You cannot be biblically submitted without the Holy Ghost. Because it has to go deeper than just somebody saying, okay, I'm going to be submitted. It's a spirit thing. 
genuine biblical submission is a spirit thing. And let me tell you how this works, the mechanics of it. Our spirit becomes submitted to the Holy Ghost. Okay, if, if God has not yet conquered you, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to say, God wins today, tomorrow, next month, next year, for eternity. That's what I've been looking for. God, I've got, you've got all of me. Right? Everybody, everybody with me. When you, get, when you get full of the Holy Ghost, you don't ever see somebody saying, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. They're really saying, I wish, you, I wish I would have done that before I got on drugs. I wish I would have done that before I listened to these people. I wish I would have done that before I got in trouble. I, come on, somebody, help me out tonight. But the human spirit cannot resist. We were made for the Holy Ghost. We were made for this. And that's where peace and joy and righteousness and happiness and fulfillment and purpose and significance, a sense of significance in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm whole. You cannot be holy until you are whole. I don't believe that God expects somebody to go through the motions of being submitted until you're first are full of the Holy Ghost. Because now we're submitted to God. And the, and the evidence of being submitted to God is that now I'm submitted to God's people. See, you cannot be submitted to God and put off being submitted to people. It doesn't work that way. Like, and I know, I, I know how all this works, and, and sometimes people get hurt, and people, and, and they, don't, they don't talk about those hurts, so they isolate. That is the worst thing. The, the worst thing you can do for yourself is to isolate. Because isolation is all the devil needs to go to work. But when we get, see, there's some things. I want you to listen to me carefully. I've said this before, but not in this context. There are some things that you cannot get from God vertically, laterally. And what happens is, is when people get hurt, is there's a tendency to isolate, and now you're trying to get everything you need from God vertically. And you're saying, well, I'm right with God. You might be right with God in the sense that you pray, you're doing what you know to do, but you're not getting everything that God has for you because there is a lot that God has for you that can only come horizontally. The cross is not just vertical. The cross is vertical and horizontal. 
And until we get into relationship with the body, that's the only way we can be healed. It's the only way we can find deliverance. It's the only way that we can get some of the medicinal aspects of the gospel. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. I want to tell you, you're safe in the house of God. The devil's been lying to you in your isolation, and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. There's health in the house of God. You may have to deal with, with, with uh, your wounds becoming polluted with bitterness or resentment. Or, and I'm just throwing this out there. These are things that can, that can inhibit people finding spiritual healing. And, and we can have all these perspectives that are nothing more than warped. See, you don't see things as they really are. You see things as you are. I'm going to say that again for all of us here tonight. When you're looking at a situation or you're looking at other people, you're not seeing things as they really are. You're seeing things as you really are. And until you and the Holy Ghost can get to a place of elevation, and now you can see things, first of all, you see yourself. And then you make the adjustments you need to make, and now I can see everything clearly. And you're okay, I'm okay. Uh, I love you, you love me, I'm praying for you, please pray for me. Everybody needs a blessing, everybody needs God, everybody's going to make it. Everybody, come on somebody, help me tonight. And so these, these kinds of things need to be talked about because it's too easy to isolate. You know, we got a refrigerator, I got a stove, I got food, I've got uh, a smartphone. I'm going to rename those phones. A dumb phone. I'm just having fun. I need to do something. But people, I've got internet. I can relate without having to be vulnerable. And if you cannot be vulnerable, you cannot be real. And if you can't be real, then what are you? Artificial? An actor? An actress? I want to tell you what, you can be real in the house of God. That's the only way we're going to have revival. And you can't have survival without revival. Because we were never intended to turn inward. When you begin to turn inward, it means you're dying. Somebody said amen. Amazing story here where a woman begins to see a prophet traveling through their community. And already in just the first few verses that were introduced here, this woman is has got a few things on the ball. She's got some things going for her. One of them is, is that she is, she wants, she wants God. And 
she's recognizing that part of me getting closer to God is, is that I, I, want this, I want this man of God to become acquainted with my husband and I. I want him, I want him to feel like he can, he, can, he can come to my house. Okay? We're seeing that in the very first few verses of this story that, um, you know, I hope this church never loses. And I really, I really think that if, if we were really, really honest tonight, I mean, where we had to be honest on a way that, that God was in it, where we weren't afraid of being honest. All of us, the spirit of this world wants us to withdraw. I remember when we first started this church, when I said, you're dismissed, that the parking lot, my wife and I would almost time to see how quickly that parking lot would become empty. Now, that was many, many moons ago. Now, you got the usher saying, Pastor, we got people, I can't get them out of the sanctuary. Just flip the lights, they'll get the message. Security, Pastor, how long are you going to hang around? Well, just a few more minutes. I get it. But when people just hang out and fellowship and, and they're in the afterglow, that is so healthy. That is so godly. That is so anti the world in that we're just, we're communicating, we're relating, we're connecting on a very, very healthy level. That's very healthy. To people that just gather their stuff and, you know, they're just heading for the door, that is not healthy. And I'm not saying all of us, you know, have those occasions where I got places to be and, you know, we got an appointment. And I understand that. I understand that. But the only people you can connect to are the ones that have the same last name as you or, or they're related to you. That is not healthy in the body of Christ. You're going to find out that there's people just like you, people that, that it, it's just, we just all need each other. But I hope that the spirit of hospitality, when, that, when a church loses that, revival has no possibility because revival has to go beyond these four walls. It has to. It has to go to your house. If you live one way at home and a different way here, God is going to respond to how you're living at home, not what you do here. There are millions and millions, tens of millions of religious people across the land that get all dressed up and go to church on Sunday and go home and just do some of the most unthinkable things. Y'all awake out there? Hallelujah. If you'll get more excited, I'll be shorter. Now, that was really a deal for Brother Loomis to do that. I hope you, re I hope you realize that. But it's going to take more than this good man to get me to go any faster. No, this is good stuff. We need this. I don't want to be in a church that doesn't love everybody. If you think I'm going to leave a bar 
where I got friends in low places. And we can party all night in my single wide. You think I'm going to give all that up for a church that's got their nose in the air that ain't got the time of day to talk to me? You're absolutely nuts. But when you come in contact with a church that loves everybody, So this woman says, you know, let's have this. I believe this, this is a man of God here. Let's invite him over for dinner. Her husband, you know, drops the newspaper. Okay. Newspaper goes back up. You, in this story, this is not a put down to Mr. whatever his name is. But the woman is the one. This is what is unique about Elisha's ministry. Jesus referred a little bit to some of what Elisha did. There was nobody of God's people. This is, this is a completely neighboring community. If you go back and read Luke chapter 4, when Jesus recited that there were widows that God fed, but he didn't feed any of, of Israel's widows, they tried, they tried to throw Jesus off a hill. This is in that segment of ministry. The nation of Israel is still struggling with idolatry, and hence the ministry of Elijah. Anyway, so the woman is the driving force in the story. She says, we need God. I want God. This is, this is a man of God. Let's invite him over for dinner. He comes in. He has dinner. He doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't gossip. It took a meal to reveal that this was a man of God. She said that after the meal. Don't invite me over to your house to eat and ask me a bunch of, hey, I've seen you talking to brother and sister so-and-so. What's up with them? That ain't none of your business. I'm going to let you listen to Brother Kyle's deal on having the preacher over for dinner, which is a masterpiece. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to talk to Brother Kyle. Incredibly gifted. Don't invite us over and say, well, pastor, we had a couple questions we've been wanting to ask you. Great. What's going on with brother and sister so-and-so? Honey, you ready to leave? I was preaching in a church in Texas I can see the train of coming. Now I am not I am not gussying this up at all. This is exactly how it went down. Brother Mayo, 
we'd love to have you and Sister Mayo over for dinner on Sunday. All right. Well, the pastor had left the church to me. He went to district conference and said, Brother Mayo, I need you to just keep preaching and take the oversight over things while I'm gone. And so I called up the pastor. I said, you know, a family in the church asked my wife and over, I over for dinner. And he said, well, I think that'd be just fine. Okay. So, because I was under submission. I think I lost some of you. Although I was full-time evangelist, I was under submission. I think I lost some of you right there. So my wife and I, we went over there. Um, I don't even think Ari was born yet. Zach was very young, maybe two years old, something like that. We got a, I'm talking about a spread, a spread that would have made King David envious. Man, there was everything. There was turkey. There was mashed potatoes. There were collard greens. There was, there was stuff I wouldn't even touch because I didn't know what it was. But it was all laid out there. I mean, and then the dessert and what topped it all off. Brother Mayo, and that's exactly how they talked. You can ask my wife, Brother Mayo, we got some fresh coffee. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I was like, wow. We got all settled in. I couldn't eat another bite. Coffee was tasting so good. And the spokesman got ready for his speech. Brother Mayo, we really like you and your family. We like your ministry. We was wondering if you'd come to this city and start a church. I looked at my wife. I said, let's go. Because I was under submission. That's when I knew that the meal was over. Well, that's not how this woman was. This woman was like, we're going to take care of this. But it, it, it took a meal to reveal. The man of God is not a gossiper. The man of God was not talking about, you know, hating the government, taking up arms against, you know, we hate the way things are, blah, 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 blah. No, he probably said very few words. Thank you. Thank you for the meal. Thank you for the hospitality. Thank you for your kindness. Appreciate it very much. Okay, he left. The woman turns to her husband and said, this guy's the real deal. He lowered the newspaper. Newspaper went back up. She said, what do you think about, you know, it's a long way from Jericho, the city of the priests, or Jerusalem. We're out here in Shunem. She said, what do you say we... Uh, we build a little place for him and get him to, when he's in these parts, he just stay with us. The newspaper came down again. 
what would you say? He said, okay. You know, it's amazing when people don't have the Xbox and internet and YouTube and Instagram to just scroll for hours and hours. What a waste of time. <clears throat> just scroll on Instagram and look at a bunch of lost people. What a waste of time. It is amazing how much God would really start moving and speak to us if we didn't have so much junk. Okay, anyway, newspaper comes down. What'd you say? Well, I've just, you know, I've just been thinking. I don't impersonate women very well. You know, man of God's coming by. He's the real deal. What do you say? We, you know, furnish a room for him so he'd maybe stay here when he's in these parts. Newspaper goes back up. Whatever. Yes. That's fine. A voice from the other side of the newspaper. I got just the place in the garage for him. Being a wise woman, she says, I'm not going to press my husband. She said, well, you know, it's drafty out there. Well, how about on the back porch? We got extra room out there. I got some lumber. We build him a little place on the back porch. That's not how it went down. In the original, it's not fully graphically revealed like it is in the original. In the translation from the original into English, they built him a room on the second floor. Because they had the revelation, we need to be under. It wasn't a room on the back porch. It wasn't a room laterally. It wasn't a room below them. It was a room above them. Go home and look it up. It'll blow your mind. It was on the second floor. And what that did was, stay tuned. I'm only going to preach for about 15 more minutes, and then we're done. You'll be all nestled in by 9 o'clock tonight. You cannot unleash the prophetical. Here, here's where I wanted to be. You will not... Unleash the prophetical. Now, this is a prophet. This is Elisha. He is 
tailor-made. He is designed by God at this part of his life to do exactly twice the amount of miracles that the man he was submitted to did. The minute that Elisha went up and enjoyed that room and was in position. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're my pastor. But I'm not in position. Well, I'm just here, Brother Mayo. My real pastor is is my dad or my real pastor is where I came from. You ain't there no more. And you are doing nothing but choking the blessings and the real-time way that God wants to move in you. You're only going to live where you are in your life in every single second that you're passing only by here one time. And to minimize and crimp the only, the only way that promises and prophecies are given. It only comes through submission. You will never see an unsubmitted man get a promise from God. In fact, they get curses. I regret putting Saul in position. He has rejected me. So I reject him. And then when the prophet finally shows up, he wouldn't even listen to the prophet. So the prophet said, I'll do what you won't do. Bring Agag out. And he hacked him in pieces right in front of the king. The benefits of being under authority. Gehazi, man, I'm sure enjoying this bed they put here. It wasn't just, Pastor, you're over me when I feel like it. It was, Pastor, you can lay in the bed, you can sit in the chair, you can be at the table, you can light the candlestick, do whatever you want to do. You're up there. I'm keeping you up there. I want to make sure you're happy there. I want to make sure you're happy as being my pastor. I want to make sure. I know this isn't, a, this isn't popular in the 21st century, and it might be why one of the reasons why a lot of people are not having the revival that they want, and it's one of the reasons why that they're backsliding in droves in this world. God never intended for you to backslide. God intended for you to go from promise to promise and victory to victory. And prophecy to prophecy. You're in a church. This is the fulfillment of a promise. So let's, I, I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 18. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his son in the gospel, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, from who? From Paul. That by them thou mightest war a good warfare. The promises are conditional. You don't, you don't wrestle with flesh and blood. 
If the devil can get you to wrestle with flesh and blood, you have just lost. You've got to understand that the devil is tempting you to get an attitude against that brother and getting an attitude against that sister and getting an attitude against that family because now your focus is not on the promise of God and not on your backslidden children and not on getting an answer to prayer and not on getting healed. It was the devil in the beginning and it's the devil today. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I am not fallen to pray to that. I've listened to the lies of the enemy as long as I shall. I'm going to get a promise from God. And I'm going to live by that thing until it comes to pass. There's benefits to being under authority. I don't have time to get into the covering. A covering is a protection. I don't have time to get into that. i got to stay on this story. But look at how a prophecy is given to a young man by the name of Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy 1 and 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I put my hands on you. I gave you that prophecy. Timothy was required to stay right. The Shunammite woman, Gehazi, tell that woman to come here. This is what I want you to ask her. Da, da, da. What should be done unto you for your, now that you're under submission, not just verbally, but in reality. Gehazi comes in and says, well, they don't have any children. The prophet already knew that. The prophet said, all right, I want you to call her so I can talk to her. He's still in his room. This entire conversation is taking place while the prophet is in the place that they, that they put him. He's not down on the couch. He's not at the, at the kitchen table. He's not in the kitchen. He, they're not on the back porch. He's in the room. He's in position. What shall be done? Everything is in alignment to now get a promise. And he prophesied to this woman and said, at this time, in the season of life, in this time next year, you're going to hold a son. It was too much for her. It was too much for her to ever conceive that God could really bring her out of the misery of everything she'd ever experienced, everything she'd ever been in in her life, and actually give her a life worth living. I'm going to be a mother. A mother. It, it was a curse, not one from God. It was a curse for a family to feel like the family name will never go on. It's in the Bible. Because in reality, in real time, through effort, through determination, and through submission, 
she gets a promise that would radically change her existence from barrenness to being a mother. Women were designed to be mothers. And she is thinking, I almost, I almost can't believe this. And a year later, she has a baby. Nobody is allowed in that room up there. If you're not the prophet and you're not making the bed, sweeping the floor, straightening up and cleaning up, you got no business being up there. That's reserved for the man of God. But days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. And her boy is now 15 years of age. But because he was raised right, he was out in the harvest at harvest time. It's a type of evangelizing. Something happened. A tragic turn of events happened, and he, he hit his head. He fell and hit his head on a rock and died. Fifteen years after this prophecy was fulfilled. The boy was carried back to the Shunammite woman. She did not even bat an eyelash. She said, you go get the man that gave me that prophecy. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't indicate. The Bible doesn't say that the man of God went back. It does not even say. It just says it, it, it only follows the storyline of this boy that's now 15, and he's working out in the field, and some tragic instance happens. He falls down. He hits his head. He dies. And she sends a messenger to where the prophet is. How's the woman? Is all well? The baby's dead. <clears throat> I'm going to kind of walk on water here for a minute, so just kind of bear with me. Brother Tim, it appears that when a promise needs to be revived, you have to go back to the man that gave it to you. You know, it's a big deal in our world. I'll, I'll just go get another pastor. and I'll just go get some different elders. And, and one of the, I'm going to tell you what. One of the reasons why we're hosting this conference next week is we are making an apostolic statement. I appreciate all these young evangelists. I appreciate all these social media live stream evangelists that are in our world, but we are never going to forget the office of an elder and a bishop and an apostle and a prophet. It's the only conference in America that I know of that is totally dedicated to the voice of the elders, Rehoboam. While you're listening to all your contemporaries that are giving you your directions. And then the kingdom was split because Rehoboam did not listen 
to the voice of the elders, but listen to his contemporaries, his Bible school buddies. The only man that could revive her prophecy and the one, only one that really even cared. He did, he wasted no time. Put the boy on my bed. Put him in my position. Don't put him down on the couch. I've got to be in position to bring the miracle. First it was a prophecy, now it's a miracle. He stretched out over that boy, forehead to forehead, much like God did to Adam. Forehead to forehead, nostril to nostril, and eyeball to eyeball, and breathed. The boy coughed. Sat up. And the promise came back to life. The benefits of being under authority. If we're not careful, we'll produce an end time church whose whole concept of authority has been molded and shaped by the nonsense of the media, the nonsense of our world, instead of like David, digging back through the scriptures and saying, how do I please God to bring this? How do I get this thing back home? How do I get the glory where it was? How do I do this? How do I do this? Ah! It's right there. Let's lift our hands. The benefits. Don't talk to me about the pastors you used to say. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the negative stories. I don't want to hear the vocalizing of bitterness because you're going to end up thinking the same way about me before it's over. What you need to do is say, God, get it out, get it out. I need a promise. I've got too many prayers that need answers. I don't have time to go another day without reaping the benefits of being under authority. I've told this story a thousand times, seemingly. And before we get out of here, I'm going to give it another thousand. You go in this prayer room and you look up to the right. You're going to see the picture of my pastor and the picture of my pastor's wife. <laughs> How much did they pay you to do that? They don't even know I did it. Mr. Smarty Pants. I did it because I'm under submission. Well, you're the big pastor with that nice big building. Man, look at this. You got the road named after your church, Cross Street is Mission. How, how awesome is that? I couldn't have done that if I'd have even thought about it. Everybody's dream is what everybody really wants. How did it happen? Really very simple. I have never, I would rather die than not be submitted to my pastor. I'd rather go out as a martyr than to try to live for God 
without the only channel of prophecy that is available to human beings. They were here for our 25th anniversary. Let me express to you how loyal I am. Our first speaker was Brother Darren Sargent, first evangelist that ever preached in this church. <laughs> I want to be loyal. I think I proved it. There's a lot of people who said, well, I don't really care what people think. I know what God's done for us. It was the right thing to do. I'd do it all over again in a second. Brother and Sister Wilson stayed over. Preached for us. It was our 25th anniversary. Had a big banquet over at the Marabou Park Hotel. It was wonderful. Wonderful. They stayed over on Monday. We went out and got something to eat. And I said, you know, you guys have never seen all the places where we've lived. And they've probably only been to Spokane, what, three, four times over 25 years? Sister Mayo? Two, three, three, four times maybe? Yeah. Took them on a little tour. I said, let me show you where we were going to build our fourth building over there off the interstate. Piece of ground. The church paid for it. Paid $150,000 for it, cash. Thank you, Cornerstone, for believing. But now there's weeds everywhere. There's a noise wall. There's an old couch out there. Somebody dumped garbage. I said, well, here it is. We were going to, I've had real estate agents. I've tried to sell it. Can't get rid of it. Sister Wilson said, let's pray. I think Brother Wilson might have rolled his eyes. I said, yes, let's pray. Put it in park. Maybe, maybe prayed, maybe for 20 seconds. You know, God in the name of Jesus. And she prayed, we prayed, we all prayed together. And took him back to the hotel and gave him a holy kiss. They flew out the next day. The very next day, I went through three or four real estate agents, and you have to sign a contract with them. I tried to, I used real estate agents for at least four or five years. And then I tried to sell it, and then I just gave it up. The same day that they left, Three real estate agents called. First one bought it. Gave us almost three times what we paid for the property. Submission. I wouldn't go another day without building that room in your house, in your life. And getting it fully furnished and saying, we don't want you to just go up there and take a nap. We want you to stay. We want you to notice all the furnishings of posture. We want you to sit. 
We want you to read. We want you to be comfortable. We want you to lay down. We want you to rest, sleep, take a nap, do whatever you want to do. But you're there forever as far as we're concerned. And unlock the prophetical that really makes living for God exciting again. That was in May. Our anniversary service was mid-May. We closed on the property in September. You really going to love this. This is why God wants me to talk about this all over this country. Because one week after we closed on that property, I got a call from the man that owned this building that we're sitting in tonight. And he said, are you guys still interested? I said, uh-huh. If I was up here with some nasty attitude against leadership and You can forget it. Let's stand. There are benefits. To those of you that have been under any, meeny, miny, mo, all these different pastors desperately looking for somebody that agrees with you, I feel sorry for you. Submission is never put to the test till you don't disagree with leadership. And from that moment forward, you're now being watched to see if you're under submission. Submission is best proof when you don't have the answers and you don't agree. The benefits of being under authority. Let's lift our hands. I'm done as promised. You'll make it home by 9 o'clock tonight, but let's pray. I pray that somehow you can bury in the sea of forgetfulness all of the hurtful memories and all of the reasons that we give ourselves in the present for not believing God. You're just shortchanging really what living for God is really all about. It was supposed to be how, how good and how precious it is for brethren to dwell together. It is like the anointing oil that goes from the top to the bottom. What's on me is supposed to come on you. But we're living with fragments. Going from handout to handout instead of the flow. The flow just being caught up with what the Holy Ghost is doing and what God's doing here. This altar's open. I'm done. I love you. Hope you love me. I just want to see you be blessed. Be this, see this become a church of the supernatural. In Jesus' name. You're welcome to find a place to pray. God bless you.